0: grace that taught
1: little bit different night tonight with our youth in here with us. Um, I want to just thank you guys for allowing us to come in here and join with the prayer meeting tonight. Um, as we come to, as we go to prayer, um, I want to ask you guys to please continue to pray for Valerie and Mark Nardi there at visitation tonight. Uh, Valerie's granddaddy, um, Wayne Smith, he was 97 years old, passed away, and talking to Mark yesterday on the phone it was just a surprise to them eating and uh, got done eating and passed away passed away peacefully Um, so I just ask you guys to continue to pray for them the services will be tomorrow at 10am at Thomas McAfee uh, in downtown so please continue to pray for Mark and Valerie Canardy and that whole family um also, I'd like for you guys to please continue to pray for my mom and dad. Uh, I spent the better part of yesterday evening in the ER with my dad. Uh, he is uh, going through a lot of complications with his medications, um, which has got him really over-sedated right now. Um, so they did, they did some tests on him. They did a CT scan on him to make sure he didn't have a stroke. They did um, test x-rays make sure he didn't have any fluid in that the blood work everything looked good um so they do feel like he is over medicated they are um, trying to wean him off medication right now uh, went by and seen him this afternoon when i got off work and he's seen thing better he's back at oak uh, oakview park thing better today he's a little bit more alert today and trying to talk a little bit more uh, so you guys to pray for him. My mom, she is doing very well over in Manish. She's walking a little bit more and more each day. Um, just, she is looking forward to getting to go over there to, to be with my dad. And I think that will help out a lot. Y'all just continue to pray for my mom and dad. It to be my dad. situation. Um, to be But I know that, that God is working. me. Um, also, I got another prayer request I would like for you guys to go um, lift up is uh, I got a co-worker named Dave Rollins, superintendent or with our company, long-time superintendent with our company, and uh, he's been going through a lot of health problems here. He's about 60 years old, and now they're, just found out today, I did, that uh, he is needing that liver. I uh, just ask you guys please pray for it. His name's Dave Rollins. Um, Jennifer is not here tonight because she is going to go pick up Brother Todd from rehab, settled back into his house. So that's what she's doing tonight. i was just pray for God. I wonder is there anyone that has any prayer requests tonight? Vicky? I ask my students um, every Wednesday night, "Is there any praise reports?" I love to hear praise reports. And like normal, they're crickets. Ha! Huh? That's exactly right. Especially today in this weather. I'm glad that everybody swam to church or got in your boat and come to church. Let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer dear heavenly father god we just thank you so much for for uh, for who you are father you are the great i am you are the great physician father god we uh sometimes we try to control things under our own power father but you have the ultimate plan god and we just need to release and let you take control father and i pray that you help each and every one of us to do that god i thank you for each and every person who is here tonight father i just lift them up god i lift all these prayer uh, prayer requests up to you I, I lift up the prayer requests from Vicky chapel father that you would be with her family and god i just pray that you would take control god that you would be with the doctors and the nurses and, and help them to to make the right decisions father god i thank you for i thank you for this church god i, I thank you for for the work that you are doing here in this church and in this community, Father. And I just pray, God, that you help us to be an outreach church, that you help us to go out into the community and into our jobs and our schools, Father, and and to to praise you and to to share the gospel with people, Father. God, uh, this this is a lost and dying world, Father, and I I know that you, Father, want us to go out and to point each and every person to Jesus. God, I pray for Valerie and Mark tonight. I pray for that whole family, God. I just pray that uh, that you would be with them as they grieve and as they remember uh, Valerie's grandfather. I pray that you would um, comfort them, Father. God, we love you so much. and, And, God, I pray that you would be with this lesson tonight, Father, as we look into what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and what it really means for us to follow you, Father. I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds, Father, to receive the word that you have for each and every one of us. God, I pray that as we leave here tonight, that we would grow, that we would have grown closer and closer to you and we would be better followers of Jesus Christ when we leave out of these doors tonight, Father. God, we love you and we thank you so much for everything that you've done for, for Jesus Christ and for saving each and every one of us, Father. First, in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, so tonight, I want to. Uh, of course, we're doing things a little bit different. We got the youth in here tonight, and um, I just uh, I want to ask the adults. I hope that tonight that that you're feeling young, uh, because tonight I want you guys to pretend like you are a student. Um, I know that uh, I, I see Kevin Fowler back there, and we was talking at the softball game the other night about how we're not spring chickens anymore. <laughs> We were both were uh, were talking about how bad our backs hurt, and I know I was sitting here Sunday morning, and and during the invitation uh, from Pastor Mark, I had to get up and go into the back because my back right here was hurting so bad that I had to go back there and stretch it. It was hard to sit down, and I just I think about all the uh, the energy that our youth has and our students have, and sometimes I wish I had that again. And uh, that's one reason why I love working with these students is because I feel like it keeps me young, and uh, keeps me moving, and and uh, and just keeps me young. So I just I want you guys to pretend like that you are um that you are a youth tonight. And um, Mark asked me to lead prayer meeting, and and, and when he asked me that, you know, I was in the middle of this series, and I didn't want to really break off from this series because. This series called "Follow Me" by David Platt is something that I'm very, very passionate about uh, because I think our students really need to understand what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to to follow Him in, in everything that they do. So Pastor Mark asked me; he said, "Just continue on what you're doing, and you know the the adults they can get something out of it too." And I promise you, you can get something out of this uh, out of this lesson because I've gotten a lot out of it. I've been reading um, David Platt's book, it's called "Follow Me," and that's what led me into to doing this series with our students. And we are in a, we are in week four of this series, so we've already done three weeks. And this this series talks um, is talking taking our students on a journey of what it looks like to be a true faithful disciple of Jesus. And we've been looking at ways that with just two words. Jesus called his disciples with two words he said follow me and when he said that you see that the the first four uh, disciples they dropped everything and they followed Jesus and um, you can see that through scripture how these disciples left everything behind everything in their life they just left behind and they went and they followed Jesus and we live in a world today where everything revolves around self today is self-promote yourself is uh, protect yourself is preserve yourself take care of yourself but Jesus' words to his disciples is to slay yourself to give up yourself and, and, a, and according to scripture these four men they paid a steep price for following Jesus Peter, he was hung upside down on a cross um Andrew was crucified in Greece. James was beheaded. And John, he was sent out on an island in exile away from everybody. And they gladly gave up their life. And they gladly uh, paid the price for following Jesus Christ. It was worth the cost to them. They believed in him. They eagerly willingly willingly and gladly gave up their lives in order to know Jesus, in order to follow him, in order to proclaim him. And in the footsteps of Jesus, these first disciples found a path that was worth giving their lives to trend on. I wonder 2,000 years later how far off of that path we have wandered. Somewhere along the line. Because of varying culture, uh, tides, and popular church cre- trends, it seems like we have minimized Jesus' call to total abandonment. I shared with our students when we first started this series that sometimes I, I wonder when when you look at church postings or you look at, at things from other churches and you see this big number of salvations that these churches have in just one day, sometimes i wonder is that truly discipleship of jesus christ or are they just bringing people down and and, and telling them to, to say this prayer and and to go out back into the world and you're saved and sometimes we all call that the, the get out of hell free card and that's not what jesus calls us to do jesus calls us to leave our old life behind and, and to follow him and churches today are filled with supposed Christians who seem content with having some kind of casual association with Jesus Christ. We feel like sometimes in churches today that we just give one hour to Jesus on a Sunday morning and, and that's good enough for Him. But that's not. That's not what Jesus calls us to do. Men and women and children have, be told, been, uh, have been told that becoming a follower of Jesus It simply involves believing certain truths or saying certain words. But I really believe that that's not true. Disciples like Peter, Andrew, John, and James, they all show us that the call to follow Jesus is not a simple invitational to a prayer. It's a summons to lose your life. And I remind our students, and I want to remind you guys tonight the words of Jesus Christ when he says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever, whoever finds their life will lose their life, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Tonight in this uh, fourth week of this series is God's will. And we're going to be looking at God's will tonight. What is God's will for my life? That quite possibly could be one of the most common asked questions of Christians today. We have questions and we face decisions all the time. And often ourselves are wondering about what is God's will for me? What is God's will for me to do in this? Some decisions are small. And are less significant. What book should I read this month? Or where should I eat today? And all of our students know that if we ask Erin where we're going to eat today, it's always going to be at a Mexican restaurant. Um, She loves to go there. But you got all kinds of choices Mexican, Chinese, burgers, or Italian. Or what do I do when my friends are mad at me? Or what do I do when my parents seem unhappy with me? Or what do I do when I'm struggling? Then there's often uh, a lot of other questions in life that are that are larger, that are life-altering questions. And I just want to remind our adults that our students are faced with questions and decisions that are that they are facing today that are life-altering. Where should I go to college? Should I go to college? What career path should I ch- choose? Just think about it, guys. And I've often thought this with with my kids is at eight seventeen and eighteen years old, you're asking these students to make decisions that could alter their life forever. A career path that they gotta make in college when they're as young as seventeen and eighteen years old. That's a lot of pressure to put on a to put on a on a teenager. That's a lot of pressure to put on me at forty six years old, <laughs> you know what do I do for the rest of my life or career path or whatever that's a lot of pressure that our students are facing today and you know you you just think about when they get into their 20s who should I marry should I get married where should I live how should I live all these big decisions that our students have to make today and we find ourselves buried under countless questions and decisions and in in the middle of it all we keep coming back to that one question what is God's will for my life what is God's will for my life how do I find God's will for my life we we operate as if God's will is lost and we have to try to find kind of methods to find God's will And with good intentions, we try to find God's will for our lives. We use different methods to find His will, like flipping through the Bible randomly and and putting our finger down on a verse or looking for signs from a burning bush or from a blinding light. But what if God's will was never intended for us to find it? In fact, what if God's will was never hidden from us? What if God the Father has not sent us, his children, on some kind of Easter egg hunt to find his will for our lives and he's just sitting up in heaven saying, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting colder, you're hot. What if searching for God's will like this is actually missing the entire point of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? We're going to watch this video from David Platt that uh cindy's gonna play and it's about a 10 10 to 15 minute video um but as we watch this video i want you guys to ask the question and keep this question in the back of your mind how do questions like these serve to distract us from what it truly means to be a disciple of jesus
2: Think about a couple, a family in the church that I pastor. This husband and wife, one young child, another child in the way, who have packed their bags, sold most of what they have, and moved over to North Africa to live and work among one of the most dangerous people groups in the world, trying to spread the gospel. And I look at them, and people in the church that I pastor look at them and say, wow, these are, in a sense, super Christians. Like, they're really giving it all. But what if this is what is expected of every single follower of Christ? Not that we're all supposed to pack our bags and move overseas to North Africa to work among one of the most dangerous people groups in the world, but the reality is, as a follower of Jesus, He could call any one of us to do this, and He is calling many of us to do things like this, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to have your life and your family and your possessions and your plans and your dreams on the table saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Wherever you want me to go, we will go. Whatever you want me to give, I will give. There are no conditions on my obedience to you. I will trust in you and we can trust in him. The beauty is we have a God who knows what is best for our lives. He is fully worthy of our trust. And so in this session, we spend some time really looking at why we must give god total abandonment to his will saying we will go do give whatever you call us to do knowing that he is good and he knows what's best for our lives and he knows what's best for his glory in the world so my hope and my prayer is that we would lay down our lives every one of us lay down our families and say whatever wherever however. Our lives are yours to spend for the glory of your name in all the earth. One of the most common questions that we ask in the contemporary church is, what is God's will for my life? For the next few minutes, I want us to ask a far more important question than that far more important than asking what is god's will for my life i want to ask will you obey god's will for your life no matter what it is that's a fundamentally more important question and around the the church that i had the privilege of pastoring we talk a lot about giving god a blank check with our lives a blank slate As followers of Christ, we have surrendered the right to determine the direction of our lives. We don't choose where we live or how we live. We don't choose who we marry or whether we marry. We we don't choose what we keep, what we give away. Jesus determines all of these things. And it is incumbent upon every follower of Christ to look to him and say, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. However you want me to live, I will live. Wherever you want me or my family to go, we will go. And if that means we downsize our home, trade in a car, give away this possession or that possession, turn our entire lifestyle upside down, we will do it. Here's a blank check with my life. Whatever you say, I'll do. My question is, have you given that to God? More important than knowing God's will for our lives is an unhesitating unconditional commitment to obeying God's will for our lives so so here's 10 reasons why we must give God a blank check with our lives and our churches obviously you feel free to write them down in that blank piece of paper that blank sheet if you want but number one we give God a blank check in our lives and our families our churches number one because Jesus is worthy of absolute surrender that's That's the first reason because Jesus is worthy of absolute surrender. This is the same Jesus who we claim to follow who said words like deny yourself, pick up a cross, leave your friends and family, go like sheep among wolves, give away your possessions, renounce everything you have, sell things, give to the poor, come follow me. So when we With that background we come to the book of acts we're seeing a people who have counted the cost of following jesus a people who know that jesus is worthy of absolute surrender and so the question is do we know this Are, are we following this jesus are we willing to go anywhere to give everything second reason why we must give god a blank check with our lives is because number two because jesus is working to advance his kingdom. So check out verse one of Acts chapter one. So come back to Acts chapter one, verse one, and listen to what, this is how Luke begins volume two. So gospel of Luke was volume one, now book of Acts, volume two. He says in Acts chapter one, verse one, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now that word began is really interesting. Luke tells us that what he's about to write about is the is continuation. The Gospel of Luke was just the beginning of all that Jesus would do. So now he's coming to the book of Acts and he's going to tell us what Jesus continues to do. But there's a problem. When you get to verse 11 of chapter 1, Jesus is gone. He disappeared into heaven. So how can Jesus continue to do and to teach if he's not here? And that is what is so exciting about the book of Acts because as you read through it on page after page, you see Jesus working to advance his kingdom. So, So do you and I as disciples, Jesus want to be a part of what he is doing in this world to advance his kingdom. Let's not put conditions on what that looks like. Let's not put limitations on what he wants to do in and through you and me and around us. Jesus is working to advance his kingdom in your community, in your city, in your country, among the nations of the earth. He's working to advance his kingdom. So let's give him a blank check and say we want in. However, wherever, whatever, use us. Third reason why we give God a blank check is because Jesus has clothed every single one of us with his power. Jesus is clothed all of us, every single one of us, with his power. At the end of the book of Luke, Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until he would send his Holy Spirit to empower them for mission. And the words Jesus literally says in end of Luke, Luke chapter 24, he says, wait until you're clothed with power from on high. And the verb he uses there is like putting on a garment or clothes. So literally put on yourselves power from on high as clothes. And they were going to need it. How else would this group of common, ordinary disciples ever accomplish a grand global mission. Here's how. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, I'm going I'm to fill every single one of you with the power of my Spirit. I'm going to clothe you. And this is not just a promise for them. This is a promise Father Christ do you realize this? you have the Spirit of God living in you in order to see the power of God at work we don't need signs and wonders we need men and women who are willing to live day by day with the Word of God and abandonment to the power of the Spirit of God now what does that mean well go to reason number four one well, we must give God a blank check because Jesus has given every single one of us the same purpose. Jesus has given every single one of us the same purpose. He says in verse 8, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Every single one of us has the same purpose there. Every single follower of Jesus would be a witness to Jesus, of Jesus, for Jesus. God clothes every single christian with the power of his spirit so that every single christian might lead people to christ this means that all men and women who have trusted in christ followers of christ been saved from their sin are prophets now what does that mean i mean you need to wear some robe and go out preaching condemnation in the streets no think about it. what was a prophet's job the prophet's sole responsibility was to speak the word of god Take the word of God that's heard and proclaim it to people. And that is the same responsibility that every single Christian has today. Take the word of God and proclaim it. As followers of Christ, filled with the Spirit, we are prophets. This is what we do. We proclaim God's word. So it only makes sense that we would lay down a blank check on the table and say to God, whoever, whenever, wherever, we want to speak your word. We want to share your gospel. We are giving our entire lives to this task fifth reason, because the world is our goal. Why must we give God a blank check? Because the world is our goal. The world is our goal. You'll be my witnesses, verse 8 said, in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's an outline for the book of Acts. The Gospels pretty much staying in Jerusalem from Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 7. When you get to chapter 8, it starts to go to Judea and Samaria. In chapter 9, Jesus saves Paul, calls him to be a apostle to the gentiles chapter 10 and 11 the gospels the door for the gospel is opened up to go to the gentiles and all the way until you get to acts chapter 28 we see the gospel spreading throughout the roman empire and the gospel the, the book of acts ends with people beginning to go with the gospel into places where it's never been heard before and the beauty is christian you and i are the continuation of this story 2,000 years later, there are still many, many people, millions and millions of people who 2,000 years later have still not heard the gospel of Jesus. So we must give him a blank check with our lives. The spirit of God who's in us wants the world for Christ. So we pray wherever, however, we want the world for Christ. Sixth reason why we must give God a blank check, not just because the world's our goal, but because the word is our guarantee. And this is where we realize, But as followers of Christ, with the spirit of Christ in us, proclaiming the word of Christ, we are doing that which is guaranteed to be fulfilled. God is going to bring this about. That leads to the seventh reason why we give God a blank check. Because the stakes are high. Because the stakes are high. You and I are surrounded on a daily basis where we live with people we work with who are under the judgment of God and sin. And God, in His mercy, has sent His Son to pay the price for that sin, to endure His judgment against sin on our behalf, so that everyone who turns from themselves and trusts in Jesus will be reconciled to God forever. All of eternity depends on whether or not people trust in Jesus, turn from themselves and trust in Him. That's the difference between everlasting life and eternal death. Stakes are high. Number eight, because the Spirit is here. The Spirit is here. Uh, We don't have time to go through it, but I might encourage you to go back and just read Acts 2, 1 through 13 and see the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, and tongues of fire resting on the disciples, and they begin to speak in power in other languages. And this is an incredible scene. This is a one-time occurrence in the history of the church. And ever since that day, the rest of the New Testament teaches us that every single follower of Christ, at the moment of conversion, when you turn from sin and trust in Jesus, is Savior and Lord, at that moment, you're indwelled by this same Spirit. Which means that this same Spirit who's doing this in Acts chapter 2 is the same Spirit who's living in you. Same Spirit. So let's not sit back as spectators in the church, just waiting and thinking, well, I'll do something one day. We don't need to wait. The Spirit's here. He's in us. He's in our midst. So let's not waste our lives sitting back. Let's not waste the power of the Spirit of God like that. Now's the time. The Spirit's here in us. Put the blank check on the table and say, by the power of your Spirit, use me however you want. Why? Last two reasons. Number nine, because the glory of Christ leaves us no other option. Because the glory of Christ leaves us no other option His glory leaves us no other option. He's the risen Savior. He's the exalted King. And we want His glory known. More than we want comforts, more than we want our traditions, more than we want our own lives, we want His gospel and His glory known. And we're willing to give whatever He asks, go wherever He says, because we love His glory more than we love ourselves. And we know that our greatest joy is found in glorifying Him. It's what we were created for. The glory of Christ leaves us with no other option. He's the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. And anything less than a blank check makes no sense before him. Tenth reason, final reason why we must give God a blank check with our lives and in our churches is because the coming of Christ leaves us with great anticipation. Let's read one more part here in Acts chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 8, which we already read, but I want you to see what happens right after this. you got to put yourself in these disciples' shoes. They're thinking, alright, Jesus is alive. This, things are going good. Let's, let's, let's get a movement going here. But then, it suddenly he leaves. And they're thinking, what do we do now? But Watch this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And listen to verse 9 those last phrases. This same Jesus, taken from you into heaven, he's coming back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. This is our hope. This is what we hold on to. This is why we gladly give a blank check. Because the one whom we follow has ascended to the right hand of the Father. At this moment, he reigns over all things. He has put his spirit in every one of us to spread us out all over the world, to accomplish His will, multiplication of His gospel, declaration of His glory to the ends of the earth. And one day, He is coming back for us. So let's be ready on that day. Let's not be found holding on to the pleasures and pursuits and possessions and plans of this world. Let's be found with a blank check in our hands and a fiery, passion in our hearts, to be his witnesses wherever he wants us to go, to see his will accomplished no matter what that means for our lives, knowing the cost may be great, but the reward is far, far great.
1: So, students, when, when Jesus says to follow me, He is inviting us to a total surrender of our lives. He is telling us to leave whatever we can leave behind and follow Him wherever He leads. Asking God's, asking, what's God's will for my life? That actually focuses on ourselves. Where do I fit in with God's plan? What is my role in God's plan? How does God. Fit into my plans, and that's not the question that we should be asking at all. We need to make a fundamental shift to the real question of: Will I obey God? Will I obey God? Will I be obey God's will for my life? See, understanding these two differences and these two questions leads us leads us to give God a blank check in earth rather than spending our lives looking for God which has already been given to us by his word God invites us to say to him use me God lead me guide me do whatever you want through me to make your gospel and to make your glory known to the ends of the earth and as as disciples willing to follow Jesus we surrender the right to determine our direction in our lives we're asking God to take complete control. So the question for you guys, for the question for you students is, are we really willing to give God a blank check? Are we willing to obey him no matter the cost? Just like the ten examples that, that, David, that David Platt gave us, Jesus is worthy of absolute surrender. He is worthy of absolute surrender. What does absolute surrender look like in your life? What must you give up in your life for total surrender to Jesus Christ? Jesus is is working to advance his kingdom even today. 2,000 years later, he is still working to advance his kingdom. Are you part of what Jesus is doing in this world to advance his kingdom? true followers of Christ should be a part of what Jesus is doing. You should be playing a role in what Jesus is doing to advance his kingdom. Jesus has clothed every Christian with his power. Is the power of Jesus evident in your life? When you go to school or or when you go to work or wherever you go throughout the day do people see Jesus in your life? Do they question whether you're a Christian or not? They shouldn't. If you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, they should, beyond, beyond a shadow of doubt, they should know that you are a Christian. That you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has given every Christian the same purpose. He's clothed every single Christian with the power of His Spirit so that we might lead people to Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ filled with His Spirit, our responsibility in this world is to proclaim God, to proclaim His Word. Remember last week at youth meeting, I asked you guys, I said, what is your purpose here on earth? What is your purpose here on Earth? Is it just to go to school and hang out with your friends, or to play sports, or, or just to to make TikTok videos, or whatever else to, to get on the, the 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 social media sites and do all that kind? What is your purpose here on Earth? Your purpose is to proclaim Jesus Christ, as the Lord say. I, I touched it, Brian. I'm sorry. Uh, is to proclaim Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. It's it, it's our job to spread the gospel, guys. And, and listen, students, I know that you think that we live in a Bible, uh, Bible Bible Belt state, right? We live in the Bible Belt where you probably think that everybody has heard of Jesus Christ. But have they heard of the true gospel? The true gospel. This is what this series is is teaching me as I, as I read his book and as I study this series and that I want to get across to you guys, you students. I want to get across to you that today in today's world the gospel has been watered down. It has been watered down. Jesus Christ says that the the gate to that the road, the gate to heaven is narrow, right? And very few find it. That is because when he calls us to be a follower of Jesus Christ, he is calling us to lay our life down and to follow him. Most people in this world today don't want to do that. They want to continue to live their life the way that they want to. They don't want to give up things in their lives. They don't want to give up the pleasures in in their lives. But that's what Jesus calls us to do. So how does, your ref- how does your life reflect this purpose? Is there anything that you need to do? Is there any decisions that you need to make in order to be a witness of Jesus Christ? Number five, he said the world is our goal. What did Jesus Christ say in, in, in the book of Acts in chapter 28? Twenty-eight. That the gospel is going forward into new places where it's never been before. Guys, there's still people in this world who have never heard the gospel, and it's our job to spread that gospel. Listen, you may think that there's not students that, that have never heard of Jesus Christ in your schools, but there he is. There are students that have never heard of Jesus Christ. In their life, so what needs to change in your life in the light of this goal? The world, the word is our guarantee. The word is our guarantee. God fulfilled this promise He gave hundreds of years before, and God has promised you and me that He will empower us with the Spirit when we witness. Listen, guys, I have found out in my life that when I witness to somebody about Jesus Christ that it's not the words that's coming out of my mouth it's not the words that I think of it's almost like the Holy Spirit just takes control of you and it it encourages you to be a witness it encourages you to proclaim Jesus Christ you can ask my wife about years ago I was one of the shyest people you'd ever meet. It was hard for me to come out of my shell and talk, and talk to people. But it's like now—I mean, I, I've, God has given me—God God has given me this this opportunity to share His Word with people. Ten years ago, I would have never thought I'd be sitting in this seat talking to people and and and, and, and preaching God's Word and and, and teaching God's Word. This is not me, this is God doing his work through me. And God will do the same thing through you when you learn to obey him. One thing that stuck out to me in this is number seven, that the stakes are high. The stakes are high. Like like we said, we are surrounded by people daily who are under the judgment of God. In his mercy, God sent his son to pay the price for our sins so that everyone who turns from their sins and trusts in Jesus will be reconciled with God forever. And This is the difference between everlasting life and eternal death, guys. There's two places that a person goes when they pass away from this earth, and it's either heaven or it's either hell. There's no in-between. There is no getting up to heaven and saying that Oh, I'll talk my way into heaven. Or, I've been a good enough person. No, that's not the way it works. Either you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you have not. Remember the words that, that God will say at, at, judgment, at judgment day. Either, um, welcome home my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you evildoers, I never knew you. Those are the two words that God is going to judge you by. The saddest words in the Bible are Depart from me, I never knew you. Some people say, Well, I'm just not comfortable talking to people about Jesus. I'm not comfortable proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you guys a question, students. Do you think that Jesus Christ was comfortable on the cross? He was not comfortable on the cross. Do you think John the Baptist was comfortable when he was being beheaded for telling people to turn from his sins? Or Peter being crucified upside down. Do you think he was comfortable at that time? Paul spending most of his life in prison. For what? For proclaiming the gospel. For telling people about Jesus you think he was comfortable in those times what's more important to you your personal comfort or how those around you will spend their eternity listen God is asking us to point people to Jesus Christ we should take that seriously very seriously how does your life reflect this are you being a witness for Jesus Christ in your schools? Every single uh, every single follower of Christ is indwelled by the Spirit of Christ the same spirit that was active at the Pentecost is the same spirit who is living in you. the same spirit the same pe- the same spirit Listen to this. the same spirit that filled these people in the house in, in Acts chapter 2. That same spirit fills you tonight. That should totally impact our lives to a great degree. To know that the same spirit that Jesus Christ sent to his disciples, sent to the people in that house at Pentecost, it's the same spirit that fills you tonight. Man, that should make us want to feel like we could run through a block wall, don't we? That should totally impact our lives more than we want our comfort more than we want our traditions even more than we want our lives we want his gospel and we want his glory to be known are we willing to give up whatever it takes because we love him because we love jesus christ what do you want more your own comfort or the glory and the gospel of God to be known? Is there evidence in your life that shows that you want the gospel of God to be carried out, that you want the glory of God to be known in your schools and in your community? The last thing he said up there was, the coming of Christ leaves us with great anticipation." One day, guys, one day, listen, one day our Savior, our Lord, our King, the one who we follow, the one who we claim to follow is coming back for us. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Let's don't be found holding on to some kind of pleasures or some kind of, pursuits of this world when Jesus comes back let's be found doing what he put us here on earth to do he put us here on earth to proclaim his message to spread his message to spread the gospel to lead people to Christ do you live as Christ could return today we don't know when Christ will return Are we going to be doing something that we're ashamed of when Jesus comes back? Are we going to be doing something that he's going to be proud of? That is going to make him smile? That's going to say, God, you're doing what I put you on this earth to do. You're doing my will. You're doing my work. You're carrying out the gospel through the land in your little Jerusalem. We got to look at it that way, guys. This is our Jerusalem. This is where God has put us to spread His message. So, do you live that Christ could? Do you live as if Christ could return any day? And how does that shape the way you follow Him? Students, listen. Understanding that following Jesus means that we give Him a blank check with our lives every single day. It's not a one-time thing. Remember the words of Jesus. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. Right? He didn't say just pick up your cross once a year. Don't just pick up your cross once you uh, accept him as your Lord and Savior. Pick up your cross daily. Because if you don't, guess who is standing at the foot of that bed waiting to attack? It's Satan. Satan is waiting to attack you. And I've told you this many times. Listen, Satan's main target is the students. It's the students. It's the young ones. And even if you are a Christian, he still wants to attack you because he wants to discourage you from going and leading other people to Christ. So pick up, your, pick up your cross daily. When we are truly willing to give him our all, we will experience what it really is means to be his disciple. The cost to be his disciple is a great cost. We see it in God's word. It is a great cost. But let me promise you something, students. It is well worth it. It is well worth it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much, Father, that you have given us your Son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus paid a price for our sins that we never could have paid God I thank you that you loved us so much God that you were willing to send your son Jesus to die in our place Father so that you could spend eternity with us Father so that we could be called home to heaven and God while we're here on earth God I pray that me these students these adults Father that we will understand what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not just a one-time decision, but it's a daily decision to pick up our cross daily and to carry it. God, I pray that you encourage these students to be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ, that they will... Share the gospel of Jesus within their schools, within their homes, within their neighborhoods, on their sports teams, Father. I pray that they do everything in Christ. God, I pray that you would protect our students. I pray that you would protect our schools. I pray for our our administrators and our teachers, Father. I pray for protections around them. I pray that you would place a hedge of protection around them, Father. God, I pray that if there's anyone in here tonight who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who has not become a disciple of Jesus, and who who does not know what really following Jesus means, I pray, God, that before they leave this church tonight, Father, that they would get that straight. God, we love you and we thank you. God, I pray that you would be with this church. I pray that you would be with all the prayer requests mentioned. Father, I pray that you would... Uh, be with everyone who is away tonight and who is not um, able to be here. I pray for them, Father, and I pray that, they, that I just lift them up to you, Father. God, I pray that you would be with us as we come back on Sunday morning. I pray that you'd be with Pastor Mark as he studies your word, Father, and I pray that you would speak through him, Father. Fill him with the Holy Spirit. Fill this church with the Holy Spirit, Father. God, we love you and we thank you. for in Jesus, precious and holy name. Thank you guys. Thank you for uh, allowing the students to, to be in here with you guys. We really enjoyed it.